0: it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,479.
1: When something seems like a challenge, a lot of times best opportunities will come from that challenge, not necessarily tear you down, but help you pick up and move forward.
0: (laughs) Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! I am revved up and so excited to share with you today a very special guest, Zachary Robichon, who's calling in from Ottawa, up in Canada. Zach, as he likes to be called, Robichon, is a Canadian racer who lives in Ottawa. He drives the number nine FAF Motorsports Porsche 911 GT3R, nickname the Plaid Porsche, and races in the WeatherTech Championship GT Daytona class. Zach's teammates are Dennis Olson, Alars Kern, and Patrick Pillet. His IMSA championships include the 2018 Porsche GT3 Cup Challenge Canada Championship and 2019 IMSA WeatherTech Championship Sprint Champion, where he won as a rookie. Zach won last year at Lime Rock Park and Road America, one of my favorite tracks. 2020 will be his second full season of competition. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Zach, but first, a word from our valued sponsors then make cars yeah possible. Winters here and things can get a little messy. Rain, snow, salt, mud, dirt, and everything mother nature comes up with can hurt the finishes of your vehicles both inside and out. I'm not worried though because I've used Covercraft car covers on my rides since 1975. Today, Covercraft offers you a total solution to vehicle protection. They make the best fitting, finest made car covers in the world and offer a wide variety of materials, colors, and options that protect your paint and the interior too. Live where it's sunny all the time? Lucky! Covercraft dash covers and sunscreens are the best. Got pets? Messy kids? Messy in-laws? Or just messy friends? Covercraft seat covers are the perfect fit and the perfect solution for keeping your seats looking new. And don't forget their custom fit floor mats and trunk liners. They are a must-have for all your vehicles—your cars, trucks, van, or whatever you drive—will say thank you. And I've got a deal for you: during January 2020, you can get 10% off plus free shipping on all Covercraft products. That's right. Go to Covercraft.com and use the code Yeah120. That's Y E A H120 at checkout. That's Covercraft.com and use the code Yeah120 at checkout. Hey, cars! Yeah, race fans. Andy Collins, owner of Armadillo Racing, is a past guest here on Cars Yeah. Last year, I was honored to be a speaker at his High Performance Racing Seminar. And having attended, I can tell you it's an invaluable learning experience if you love to race. This year marks the 25th anniversary of Armadillo's High Performance Racing Seminars, and it takes place Saturday, February 8th in Tacoma, Washington. For your seminar fee, you'll spend a day with four of racing's premier professionals on how to improve your driving and much much more this year's outstanding speaker lineup include jacques delari phd world-renowned high performance driving and life coach jeff braun a race engineer with a history at core racing and imsa ross bentley top driving coach author of world-renowned speed secrets and a fellow podcaster and dan davis retired director of motorsports for Ford Motor Company. All of these incredible racing experts are past guests here on Cars Yow. As an added bonus for Cars Yow listeners, you'll get to join these speakers at the Friday night reception at the incredible LeMay Car Museum for free. That's right. It's a $50 value if you sign up by January 15th. What a deal. Go to Armadillo Racing's website and register. That's armadilloracing.com. Hey, Zach, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Yeah, I most certainly am. How many times have you been asked that question? Probably a couple hundred or a million. Zach, uh, tell our Cars listeners a little bit about yourself, would you?
1: Yeah, so as Mark mentioned at the beginning of the show, race car driver for the South Motorsport Plaid Porsche, the number nine Porsche GT3R. um, Grew up ski racing in Canada. I own a small company that runs all the Porsche experience events in Canada. So when I'm not racing, I'm playing with Porsches, even uh, even if it's not on the racetrack.
0: You know, that is pretty cool. The Porsche driving experience, it's something I did back in the 80s. They've been doing this for a long time. And I'll tell you something, Zach, about that experience of mine. They brought all the new cars down to Jack Murphy Stadium. I was living in San Diego, California at the time. And they aligned us with one of their drivers, and we spent the day on an auto uh, cross track because there wasn't a racetrack there in San Diego. You'll never guess who they paired me with, a guy named Vic Elford. I think you've probably heard of him.
1: Yeah, I I definitely heard the name. Can't say that I've had the the pleasure of meeting him personally, but it's definitely a name that I recognize.
0: Yeah, I crawled in the car and looked across, and I went, oh, my gosh, you're Vic Elford. (laughs) And he goes, yep, that's me. Well, he's been on my show since then. Uh, Pretty funny. Um, but uh, I thought it was pretty cool to spend a day in some brand new Porsches with Vic Elford. So very, very cool. Tell our listeners uh, maybe one little thing that most people don't know about you, Zach.
1: Yeah. So on top of being you know a driver, as I already mentioned, the Porsche experience which is something that surprises people when I say that I have time to juggle both. But the other thing is I also have a master's degree in international economics and finance.
0: Whoa. Okay. You're a smart driver. <laughs> most drivers are. I say that with kind of a laugh, but uh, that's pretty cool. Now, is that a field that you originally wanted to go into, or did you choose that because of the business aspect of racing? I think
1: it was. there's a couple of reasons. First and foremost is, as everybody knows, driving and racing is something that is so unpredictable, like any professional sport. So when I was kind of coming up through the ranks and racing in GT3 Cup Challenge, and before that, some Formula 4 in Canada, I knew that I almost needed a backup plan. So I kept going to university and then kind of continued on to my master's. And it was until I was done my master's that I actually thought like, oh, maybe this whole racing thing will actually work out. So it was kind of my my plan B after uh, driving.
0: Well, you know, I think it's a really smart thing to do. Obviously, you're a very smart young man. Uh, One of the reasons is we hear about so many professional athletes being successful and making a fair amount of money, and then they end up losing it all. When their career ends, because most professional athletes, their career doesn't go throughout their whole life. Although I've had a few people on the show who've raced for fifty plus years, which is pretty incredible. Hopefully, you'll have a life like that. But I think it's really, really wise. And you know, one of the things they need to teach, I think, more in public schools, even at the high school and junior high level, is finance and money management. I don't know why they don't focus on that because it's kind of important, right?
1: Definitely, it's something a skill that. Everybody needs it's you know you you read those jokes on the internet about how you know algebra's not helping us, but understanding our taxes probably would have helped at a younger age and I think you know for me <laughs> it was something that I always kind of had interest in and I had a lot of family friends and whatnot that were involved in finance and economics and and that sort of type of field so for me that I enjoyed it, so I actually think that it's something that people would enjoy and not maybe so be so worried about it if, if they had a better understanding of it. So like you said, you, my university actually worked towards uh, teaching uh local high school that mm-hmm. uh, had a financial literacy course, and I actually helped one of our professors put the program together for that. Oh, wow. Um, for that exact reason. I don't actually know what happened to it because I didn't follow up, but I know that they ha- they used some of my math at one point, so I'm not sure what happened, actually.
0: Yeah, well... I really think it's something they need to bring into schools. Maybe they do now, but uh, I remember way back when I was in high school, they had home ec, but it was mostly girls in the class. Uh, But one of the things they did study was uh, budgeting, uh, writing checks. Now, who writes checks anymore, right? That's a different world. But, yeah, having a handle on your finances is so, so important. Uh, One of my, well, he's been helping and supporting me since the beginning. Uh, Chris Kimball is a sponsor here. He listens every day. So, good morning, Chris. How are you doing? Um, and, uh, having somebody in your life, if you're not interested in it to hire, have them help you with finances. And you mentioned the ugly word taxes, uh, something none of us like, but it's part of life, death and taxes, right? That's what they always say. So I think it's great. And, uh, obviously this will help you as you progress through your business, but I love the Porsche driving experience involvement as well. Very cool. You're a busy guy. Well, let's start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. It's a nice way to get the tire smoking here on Cars, yeah? So, Zach, take the wheel.
1: One of my uh, favorite quotes is, is from a book, uh, one of my favorite books, actually. It's called The Obstacle is the Way, and the actual quote, the name of the book is one that, that I kind of hold true a lot of the time. And, and the meaning behind it is basically when something seems like a challenge, a lot of times best opportunities will come from that challenge not necessarily tear you down, but help you pick up and move forward.
0: You know, I love this whole concept. I had uh, Jacques Delaire. I don't know if you know him. He's from Performance Prime. He's a driving coach. Uh, he yeah. also coach, yeah, coaches professionals. And in my talk with him, we discussed this very concept. The obstacle is the way. It's almost like the destination isn't the important thing, it's the journey. Is that how this quote relates to you and how you use it?
1: for me personally, the way I use it is, you know, being in, in such a challenging industry, there are many things that, that come up that seem like, you know, I can't possibly have more bad luck or if another bad thing happens to me, <laughs> yeah. you know, that there's I'm cursed or something. But the quote kind of helps me look at each challenge and look at what I learned from it. And what you start seeing is that a lot of the time, your best opportunities come following those challenges because you've been able to get through them. So don't, think of them as setbacks but opportunities to kind of move forward
0: you know I, again i love this my wife thinks that way and whenever i'm faced with a challenge i tend to get a little off the rails sometimes and she always reminds me everything you're going through right now is learning experience that you can use moving forward and i always look yeah. at her like oh yeah you're right you always keep reminding why can't i remember that I try. Yeah. I don't always remember it, but I love I'm gonna. I'm going to write that down. The obstacle is the way I put it on my computer yeah. and uh, remind myself when I face those things. That's absolutely fantastic. Let's talk a little bit about your number nine car, racing for FAF Motorsports Porsche. The new year is here, 2020. This is fantastic. The, I can't only imagine driving the car that you're in, the GT3R. What a race car. So tell us what has you excited and fired up about this new year and your racing career.
1: You know, for me personally, coming into this season, it's our second full year in in competition. And if we look back at last year, it started off a little bit shaky. And and I think as a team and personally, we just grew so much and got so much better as the season progressed. And for me, coming into our second year, I feel like we have so much more momentum and, and actually as is the case in so many things, I just feel our confidence is much higher and at least mine is much higher than it was this time last year. So I'm really kind of looking forward to starting the season with that mindset instead of that sort of stressed out and anxious instead of comparatively to last year. So, you know, it's going to be a great season. And like you said, Daytona is only a week away. So we're we're definitely starting off with, with the biggest obstacle.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. i remind our listeners, We're recording the show before Zach heads off to Daytona. The show's going to actually run after the race. So if we had a magic ball, I see you on the podium. So uh, don't worry about it. You're you're already (laughs) there. But I'll make sure I put some posts out there before the race for you, Zach, to let people know that our talk is coming so they can make sure they watch you guys uh, run and win. I think it's fantastic. So I guess in a way, last season was a bit of the obstacles were the way to get you to where you are today, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. So, at the beginning of last year, actually Daytona being our first race, we we had some electrical issues overnight, and then ended up being involved in an accident um, as soon as the race restarted after the heavy rain. Then we went to Sebring, where again we faced some electrical issues about eight hours into the race, and we had led the most laps of anybody until that point. And then Uh. our third race of the year, um, we were in third position, and with six minutes to go, we had an incident that took us out. So. Those three obstacles, kind of, it couldn't have gotten worse. But that's also what I looked at, and I think, like you said, the obstacle is the way you look at those three challenges. And and after that, we just went on a string of great results, two victories, a podium at uh, Petit Le Mans. I had the opportunity to share the car with Pat Long at a Park Place, where, where we finished second in Detroit. So okay. it was it was those three challenges that actually brought us to to our success and ultimately the the Sprint Cup Championship for myself. So. If ever I need validation of, of my quote, I think last year was was really the <laughs> the perfect definition of
0: it. Yeah, absolutely. And for those listeners that didn't get to talk uh, listen to my talk with Patrick Long, you can go back and find it on the Carja website. He's great. His Lufticult events, I always look forward to every year. He's another guy like you, Zach, who yeah. has his hands full with lots of activities. So it uh, must have been fun to run with him. Now, I've got to ask you this question. And we talked about this in the pre-show chat. The color scheme, the plaid Porsche. Where did that come from?
1: Any of your listeners have spent some time in Canada. It's kind of a, a very popular attire in Canada, I think is the best way to say it. And <laughs> sure. At the beginning of the last year, shortly before the roar, the uh, we had received the, the car um, a little bit late so the whole team was scrambling to get the car ready and a lot of the, the guys were working over the holidays. So, casual attire was definitely in at the shop um, at FAF and basically what happened was we the team was trying to decide what livery to do for the year. Mm-hmm. And our marketing director walked into the shop and all four guys who were working on the car were wearing plaid. And it was like <laughs> boxing day or actually December 26th. Cause you guys don't have boxing day in the States, but it was, right. it was right around that time. And that's kind of the idea that sort of came as a joke to be, yeah. to be honest. And it was like, Hey, well we could, why don't we just do the car plaid? And, and uh, again, it went back and forth, you know, some, marketing executives liked it some didn't and uh originally we said you know what let's do it for Daytona because we don't have anything else and we figured it would be a very polarizing livery some people would love it some people would hate it but we were actually kind of blown away by the response it got and it it was quite popular and we ended up keeping it for the whole season and even doing a small change at Petit Le Mans where we went blue livery for a different sponsor and you know it, it ended up kind of Garnish it, getting a little bit of a uh, cult following. And I think oh, yeah. this year we decided we, we couldn't get rid of it because of that.
0: I think it's brilliant. And it' re- reminiscent for me when you think Porsche racing of the pink pig, uh, the hippie car from the 917 yeah. era. I mean, I think it's wonderful. It's different, unique, it's fun. And now that I understand where that came from, I love it even more. And I love you guys' racing suits. I was teasing Zach in our pre-show chat about it looks like they're all in their pajamas. Uh, when they come out in their driving suits, but I think it's great. It's warm, comfy. Who doesn't love plaid, right? I mean, it's just just great. I have a set of
1: pajamas that look just like our suit. That works out <laughs> there perfect you go. for me.
0: There you go. I love it. Well, let me ask you this: When did you realize that racing was the career that you wanted to have?
1: As a kid, I actually grew up ski racing. So for me, skiing was kind of my first, uh, my first love, so to speak. But car racing was always something that. My dad was was involved and in, he, he did some karting when I was younger. And before I was born, he raced in Formula, Formula Ford and a little bit of regional uh, sports car racing in Canada. So definitely motorsports was always relevant in my life and something that I enjoyed watching. And once I started karting, I never actually had the feeling that I was going to be able to make a career out of it. And I strongly believe that that mentality actually helped me get to where I'm at because I never felt this pressure to become very successful at it. I always felt like I was doing it for fun. So I still don't really consider it to be this, you know, end all be all for me because I enjoy it so much. And I think that mentality has helped me where I'm at. So I don't really know when I made that transition to to doing it professionally because in, in my mind, I'm still just enjoying it and and kind of doing what I want.
0: Well, it's good. That's the way life should be. You've discovered the secret sauce at a young age, my friend. A lot of people, it takes a whole lifetime to figure that out. So that's fantastic. Very inspiring. What's your favorite part of racing? Because racing these days has so many facets. There's so many parts of racing. It's not like the old days when you're, uh, you know, Jim uh, Hunt, and you could just show up, jump in the car, and drive, and go have a party. Uh, Things are different now. Very, very different. So what's your favorite part of the racing business?
1: The obvious answer is is the race itself but for me especially in uh, sports car racing and endurance racing i love the team aspect of it it's so much um, work and preparation I, that goes into it and the one thing that that kind of really excites me is is the idea of working together with different drivers different crew members and coming together to to achieve the result it's not a sprint race it's very much you know a, a well thought out strategy and that kind of mental aspect to it and that strategic aspect to it to our races to me is is actually my favorite part because it everybody has a role and everybody has to execute that role and it's that everything coming together that that makes the races what they are and to me is what makes it uh, very exciting
0: very cool Uh, obviously racing is very much a team sport a lot of people don't think of it that way because they just focus on the driver but uh, as you know And people who follow racing know that racing is teamwork. So uh, I think it's fascinating. It's kind of like following baseball uh, where it's a numbers game, really. Mathematics are involved. A lot of people go, what do you mean mathematics? But very much is. uh, Yeah, you go back and watch the movie Moneyball and you get a better grasp of that. Uh, But I think it's fantastic. So uh, tell us about maybe a very challenging time in your racing career, maybe even a big failure you face. We talked about this a little bit earlier where you kind of went, oh, man, this is really frustrating. And the reason I want you to take us to that moment is, more importantly, what was the lesson learned? I think you've already got a good head on your shoulders for figuring this part of the thing out. And then how did that experience particularly help you move forward in a positive way?
1: Yeah, you know, racing is, is full of ups and downs. But for me, I would say probably the the toughest part was following my twenty five twenty fifteen 2015 season, which was my third season racing formula 1600. I was working with a local race team, Brian Graham racing. I was working at the shop to help pay for my racing and basically engineering my own car and being crew member for my own car. So running my car and and paying the car rental by working at the shop and following the end of that season, I really didn't think I was going to be able to keep racing. You know, I was, I was, doing my masters. I didn't have anything lined up for the following season. And it looked like my only option was, you know, a third season in, uh, or a fourth season, I should say, in Formula 1600, which, you know, there's nothing wrong with. It was probably where I learned most of my driving ability was racing those cars. But, you know, I felt like I, I had reached kind of a stagnant point and, and to jump from that kind of amateur regional racing to the next level, was a huge financial step that I, I wasn't able to put together. And honestly, I had almost resigned myself to kind of accepting the fact that maybe it wasn't going to happen. And that was definitely a difficult time because I wasn't willing to accept it yet. But what happened was because I, I was persistent and I reached out to a lot of people and, and I put myself out there, I, you know, I kept going coaching, going to the track a lot and kind of met the right people at the right time. and. It was that you know that acceptance that I might not keep going, and but also that realization that if I give up, you know I'm going to be done forever. I didn't let myself step back completely. I, I kept my ca- my head in the game and kept reaching out, and that ultimately led to me meeting the the team that I ended up racing for in GT3 Cup for three years. So, not letting myself get too beat down by that. Not having a ride for the next year, it allowed me to go to the track coach. Actually, it was Roman DeAngelis who I'll be racing against at uh, at Daytona, and for the whole year, I was coaching him. and And I actually drove his dad's car. and The team that prepared his dad's old Porsche GT3 Cup car ended up being the team that I raced for for three years in GT3 Cup. So it it was that uh, not giving up that made me realize, hey, if if I have fun and and I put myself at the right spot, maybe. Maybe I'll get lucky and, and I can do this.
0: Well, I have a feeling luck didn't have anything to do with this. I always say that there is no such thing as luck. It's more about preparation colliding with opportunity. And it sounds like exactly what you did. I've had hundreds of racers on the show and, and some that are very famous who told me I was pretty much done. I was ready to wrap it up. I just thought I can't keep doing this. I'm not going anywhere. In some cases, they did exactly what you did. They kept reaching out to people. In one case, I had a, a racer on the show who was in a hotel room in Phoenix going, okay, I guess that's it. And somebody had called and said, could you just talk with this guy? And he was dejected. And he goes, well, okay, I'll come down and talk to him. And that led to a career that became phenomenal. That guy's name is Bobby Rahal. Um, yeah, Um <laughs> know about him. So you know what? It's it's uh, It's the age-old never, ever, never give up. And that's the racing quote, of course, for every racer. Yeah. Just don't give up. Keep reaching out. And those are the golden nuggets you dropped here. Just keep reaching out to people. Keep talking to people. Keep Stay engaged in some way. And at some point, there'll be a little glimmer of break. A door will open. And you got to take that opportunity and run with it. Let's take a short break. I'll say thank you to our sponsors. And we'll be right back. Edelbrock has been the name in automotive performance since 1938. Edelbrock designs and builds thousands of the finest automotive performance products right here in the USA for both street and track. From their AVS2 carburetors to V6 superchargers, if it's more power you crave, Edelbrock delivers. Let's talk superchargers. Whether it's an application-specific system or a universal fit, their precision-made assemblies come in multiple stages for a wide variety of makes and models. Their V6 superchargers are dyno-tested and ensure the perfect fit and maximum horsepower torque plus added boost. you get huge power Power gains, I mean huge power gains. Quality construction you can trust and backed by decades of knowledge. Edelbrock is a brand that provides you with proven performance. And I've got a deal for you. This January 2020, you can get 10% off, 10% off if you use the code CARS Yeah at checkout. Just go to Edelbrock.com and use Cars Yeah, all one word, at checkout and get 10% off. Tell them Mark at Cars sent you. That's Edelbrock.com checkout code. Cars, yeah, for your 10% off. My favorite collector car magazine is Keith Martin's Sports Car Market. I've been a subscriber for decades. Sports Car Market is the Wall Street Journal for the enthusiast and the collector. It's your monthly must-read whether you dream of owning a collector car, have two cars, or 200. Sports Car Market has been around for 31 years, and it's filled with valuable articles, intelligent write-ups, and the latest auction sales. Go to sportscarmarket.com and subscribe today. Plus, you'll get the exclusive SEM guide to restoration shops included for free. At checkout, use the code CARSYEAH and receive a 50% discount on your digital subscription. It's an exclusive offer from me here at Cars Yeah. I'm Mark Green, and I love Sports Car Market Magazine. at com. So uh, tell us about a story that instigated this passion you have for racing. You've talked about uh, when you were racing uh, the 1600 series, a lot of people start Formula Ford, that kind of thing. But is there a pivotal moment uh, when you went, okay, I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go race cars.
1: Well, I'd actually have to say, it was well before that time, because obviously I got into karting before that and and the 4 before it. I think it was probably back when I was 4 years old, my dad bought his go-kart for his 40th birthday, and I remember going to the track with him and thinking, this is like the coolest thing in the world, and I have to (laughs) somehow convince my mom one day to let me do this, and it took me almost 10 years to convince her, but eventually I did, so I definitely remember going to my dad's first race in 1996, um and that's kind of stuck
0: with me to be honest the moms they're the, always the ones you have to convince yeah i remember my son trying to convince my mom to let him get a motorcycle but that never happened so uh yeah mom still i had to i had to grow up and move away from home before well i had a motorcycle but it was a dirt bike but to be able to ride on the street i had to grow up and i still didn't hope she's not listening didn't tell my mom <laughs> about the bikes that i <laughs> so uh Yeah, my wife looked a little sideways at me as well, but uh, they're certainly uh, great fun. Um, Let's talk about first special car in your life. Now, this could be a street car that you got that you really are fond of, or maybe it's first race car that you really went, man, I'm here. But uh, either way, what was that vehicle and share a memory you have about that ride?
1: Yeah, I think. Actually, when you sent me these questions, I was kind of thinking special car. I've only owned three cars in my life, and I'm like, I don't that's, know if, if any of them are okay. specifically special. <laughs> but yeah. what uh, now? You're you're opening it up to race cars. That definitely kind of changes it a little bit. And and I would actually say, the first time I I drove a, a Porsche race car, that was something very special. You know, for somebody like me who I grew up idolizing Porsche, it was you know I had the posters on on the wall, and I had an old Porsche nine. Nine nine uh, or sorry, Porsche GT one nine eleven
0: yeah
1: model car that I kind of had brought with me. I had it everywhere I went. I had it in my room, and I used to insist on driving up to the cottage with it in the car because I always wanted it with me. <laughs> and my parents thought I was a little bit crazy, but the first time I got to drive a, a Porsche car was was a race car, and I think that would probably be one of the most special moments for me, just because yeah. of the kind of the significance of it. And even if it was just just a test, I had that feeling of being. Maybe I kind of have made it if I'm driving a Porsche race car. That was yeah. that was very special.
0: No doubt. What what kind of Porsche race car was that?
1: It was actually the 996 GT3 Pup car.
0: Awesome. No doubt. Yeah. Here's a bit of an introspective question for you, Zach. I'm going to get in your brain a little bit here. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a car or a race car, not what you want to be, but how you perceive yourself as a race car or a car, what would Zach be and why?
1: I think... I would probably be a uh, a Volkswagen GTI <laughs> because okay. uh, well, yeah, I like those. Yeah, it's a little bit of an unassuming car. It's it's uh-huh. quick. It's it's fast. It's fast enough for to have fun on the street, but it's also a very practical car that you can use and uh, use as a daily driver and fit your your skis and your your mountain bike in. And if I look at my life, and I've got almost a double life in a way. I, I drive race cars on the weekend with, with soft motorsports and you know, that's the, the hot hatch aspect of it. And then during the week, I go to my quote unquote regular job with the Porsche experience. And that's the versatility of having at the hatchback. So to me, it's sort of says a lot about me and it also happens to be the car that I own. So.
0: Ah, cool. Yeah. I love them. They're great cars that I I really like. I've liked them forever when they first came out way back when I had a Scirocco. In the late 70s. And uh, to me, that was kind of a hot rod uh, yeah. GTI kind of car, you know, although it really wasn't very fast. But uh, I like the way it looked. But those hatchbacks were were awesome. So VW GTI, I like it. Well, we're entering the last lap. Uh, you've been here before. The white flag's out. You can see the checkered down at the end of the lane. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some quick blips of that GTI throttle. So here we go. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many racing successes?
1: I think uh, every morning I make sure that I have a big breakfast. And honestly, I am not a happy person if I'm hungry. And I think that always sets my <laughs> foot off the right way. So what did you
0: have for breakfast this morning, Zach? An omelet. An omelet. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. That's the, Very that's cool. the go-to. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, sounds like a great way to start the day. Healthy as well. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the racing world, living or deceased, who would it be?
1: I would have to say James Hunt, purely for the entertainment of
0: it. <laughs> well, you notice I mentioned his name earlier, which I yeah. didn't know that's how you were going to answer the question. But, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah entertainment indeed. Uh, you know, and, and he's, he's such the uh, poster boy for what racing is not today, Yeah, uh, you know, in so many ways. But, uh, yeah, he would be... Uh, Very, very interesting. I wonder how true to form the movie was uh, with him as to who he really was. I mean, I know he had this bigger than life persona, but uh, yeah, it'd be nice to sit down and spend an evening. I don't know if you could keep up on the drink side with him, but uh, I I definitely
1: couldn't. I definitely couldn't (laughs) keep up. But if anything, I would, I would probably try.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. Have some fun, maybe during the off season. Uh, what's yeah. the best racing advice you've ever received?
1: You're going to lose a lot more races than you're going to win. So learn to lose before you can learn to win.
0: You know, it's a great metaphor for life, too. I had a guest on the show who she used to say, my New Year's resolution was to have 100 failures in the new year. And I said, 100 failures? And she said, yeah, that meant I tried 100 new things I'd never done before. Yeah, What a wonderful way to think about it. So a lot of what you just shared with us. How about a resource? Is there one out there that you think our listeners would uh, like to, a go-to for you? My
1: go-to resources, as far as the automotive world is concerned, are Sports Car 365 and uh, Kijiji, because I love looking at used cars on sale.
0: Now, now what's, <laughs> but I don't what's actually the... end
1: up buying any of them.
0: Yeah, I don't either. What was the second one again?
1: The first one was Sports Car 365. And the second one was Kijiji, just used car sales.
0: How do you spell that? K-I-J-I-J-I
1: dot C-A. It's a Canadian website. I don't even know if they have it in the States. (laughs) Uh,
0: Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Kijiji. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh Uh-oh, now you found another place for me to go waste time at. Thanks a lot. Yeah,
1: there you go. Yeah, that and bring a trailer. It's kind of like the Canadian version of bring a trailer, but it's it's, it's more like a Craigslist, but everybody kind of posts their cars up for sale there.
0: Got it. All right. Another place for CarJow listeners to go and enjoy some cool cars. How about a book? Is, uh, you mentioned earlier uh, the book. Is that the book you'd like to talk about, The is in the Way? Yeah, Obstacles is the Way, I think, is, is
1: one book that I would definitely recommend people to read. The author's Ryan Holiday. He's got a number of similar books, a little bit based in, in stoicism. So if you, if you like that kind of reading, I think it, it's a good option. And it's also very easy read. It's not heavy on the philosophy or anything. And there's some good, uh, good things to learn from it. And I'm, I'm big on reading to learn and not necessarily reading for, just for the story.
0: We'll uh, say another uh, thank you to our sponsors here. And we'll be right back. You take care of your cars. All right, Zach, we're back. It's time for the checkered flag. Checkered flags, that's something you've seen many, many of in your career. Today, I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car. Doesn't matter where it is, who belongs to it, it's going to be parked in your garage. But there are a couple rules to my game since I'm writing the check. You can't sell it to, to fund your racing career or anything else. You have to drive it. No garage queens allowed around here. But it's the only cool collector car. And if you want it to be a vintage race car, that's cool because you can race that in vintage series or take it to the track. So what can I buy you today, Zach?
1: You could buy me a 911
0: GT1. <laughs> oh, oh, gosh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What a special car. You know, I used to buy the Porsche calendars every year. Years and years, they had the coins that went with them. And I've still got a photo of that when it first came out up on the wall. It's in my garage right now, actually of the gt1 when that came out what is it about that car that uh makes you smile
1: you know i think when it came out i I thought it was just the coolest looking car and i think to this day that coolness factor as a kid hasn't rubbed off you know a lot of people think about the, the lamborghinis on the wall or the ferraris on the wall for me it was always that that gt1 was i was just old enough to kind of get an understanding of, of racing and it was right around the time that that real set came out with the Mercedes and and the Porsche. So for me, that was the one that, that stuck with me. And I've always kind of dreamed of either driving one or I think owning one has always been a stretch, but you never know. Maybe one day I'll get to drive one.
0: Well, probably. I hope so. Uh, I'll just, it might take me a while to find one for you and deliver yeah. that car. So uh, hang, hang <laughs> There's tight with me. one at the
1: Porsche me. Museum. So maybe oh, you yeah. can convince them to let it go. Yeah,
0: then. I'll work on that. <laughs> I'll see what they say. Yeah, I've seen that car there. That's uh, Yeah, they're spectacular cars. For those listeners that aren't familiar, just Google Porsche GT1. You'll see what we're talking about. They actually made road-going versions of those cars, uh, which is pretty darn cool. So you can have either or, but uh, I think in the uh, racing version is the one that you probably want to park in your garage (laughs) is what I'm guessing here. All right, well, Zach, listen, you've taken us on a great ride. Thanks for taking some time out of your busy career to talk with us today. I want to thank you for sharing your journey. Could you offer us, Maybe one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance for your rip off into the sunset in that GT one.
1: Yeah, you know I think there's one thing that that I always tell people is is don't be afraid to take chances. And as I mentioned earlier, you're gonna you're gonna fail a lot, but don't look at them as as setbacks, but think of them as opportunities for what's to come.
0: Absolutely great advice. What's the best way for our listeners to follow along with you and FAF Racing, FAF Motorsports?
1: Yeah, definitely the best way to follow along with our our career and and our racing series is through our social media channels. So for me personally, it's at Zed Robichon. Um, You can find me on Twitter and Instagram. And for the racing team, it's at Faf Motorsports and they are on Instagram
0: as well. Absolutely. I'll make sure to put links to all these on Zach Shunner's page. Follow along with this young man. I think you're going to enjoy the racing series. Uh, You can go to the fafauto.com website slash motorsports and uh, see some pictures of the Plaid Porsche. They've got some beautiful ones you can download and use as backgrounds on your computer, your phone, whatever you want. Some fantastic uh, photography there. Zach, again, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your racing experiences with Cars Yeah. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Hey, Mark Green here from Cars Yeah. Did you know you can now see me on the Carsia yeah! TV show, it's a weekly visit to some of my past Carsia yeah! podcast guests, and I take you along for the ride. You go behind the garage door and into their lives, their businesses, and you get to see what makes them successful. With tens of millions of viewers, Carsia yeah! TV is making its mark. Carsia yeah! TV is available on MAV TV and Lucas Oil Racing TV. You'll find MAV TV on Direct TV, Fubo TV, FiOS by Verizon, or you can stream it through lucas oil racing television online and they said i only had a face for podcasting thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at cars yeah drive on over to cars to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun